Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jason Hale, and I'm the Nolensville Campus Pastor here at Rolling Hills. These past few weeks, we've been talking about celebration, goodness, and gratitude, and today we're going to look at how those things can be seen in God's church. God created us to be in community, and He created His church to be a place where His goodness is on display through His people. So let's jump into the third chapter of 1 Thessalonians and see what God has to teach us. Thank you for joining us. church family. It's so good to see everybody today. Extra hour sleep. You guys sound great. You look great. I mean, this just feels good, doesn't it? Man, it's just awesome. And so welcome everybody that's online. Man, so glad you're joining in today. And welcome back to our series. We've been this great series celebrating God's goodness. And we're continuing that series today. We're walking through this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, you know, to the to people in Thessalonica, so First Thessalonians, and man, it is just so deep and so rich, and I'm so glad you're here. And, and today is also the culmination of this three years of For the Kingdom. And we've been in this capital campaign where we asked people three years ago to, to pray, you know, what God will do, and also to give over and above our tithe and just to see what God would do. And it has been miraculous. And so I'm just so grateful as we celebrate God's goodness today. Now, when I was a freshman in college, I signed up for this class my freshman year, and it was called P.E. for Business Majors. And uh, I don't know why, I had like an extra spot, you know, and so I thought, well, I got to take it at some point, you know, so I'm just going to get out of the way my freshman year. So here we go. I signed up. So the first day, freshman in college, I show up for this class, and I walk into the gym, and it's packed. I mean, it's like all these people, and I realized real quick that they're all upperclassmen. And so I'm thinking, oh, man, like these people, they waited, you know, and like they, I don't know, maybe they know something I don't, but they waited till their junior or senior year, but they, they take this class. So I'm in there, and the coach comes in, and the first day, and he says this. He goes, okay, today we are going to run a 5K. So we're going to run 3.2 miles, and, and we're going to time it, okay, today. And I'm thinking, wow, okay, I thought this would be an easy class, and now all of a sudden I'm going to have to do something in here. And, and But then I thought in my head, I go, well, okay. You know, I have been kind of working out a little bit to get ready to come to college, you know, because you want to look good, you want to be ready right when you go. And so, so I thought, well, all right, I'm just going to give him my best. And so we go out, and he ran through this whole neighborhood around the place. And so we come out of the gym, and I got to the back because all these juniors and seniors, and everybody's up there, and the little gun goes off. And so we start to run, and we start to run. And, and I realized that they were kind of going a little slow. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll pick it up a little bit. And I get to mile one, and I'm feeling pretty good. And I'm kind of toward the front here. And I'm thinking, wow, okay, juniors and seniors, you know, like, here we go. And I get to mile two, and I'm starting to lead this thing. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. You know, I love college, right? And so here we go. And I run, and I finished that three miles. And I was like, yeah, you know, and it was a good time. And I, I felt great. Well, 
Well, the semester goes on, right? And freshman 15 and all that kind of stuff, right? You know, you stop working out as much and everything happens. And then we have, you know, the last week of class, and we hadn't done anything else in this PE for business majors. So it was the easiest class ever. You know, you show up, you don't really do anything. We get there the last week, come in on Monday, and the coach walks in and says, hey, uh, by the way, on Wednesday, we're running the 5K again, and uh, we grade on improvement. And all those juniors and seniors are like, oh, freshmen. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, oh, no. You know? So now I got like one day to get ready, right? I'm like, I got to work out. I got to work out. Because I'm like, I can't fail PE for business majors, right? I mean, like, come on. And so I get there on Wednesday, and we get out there. And this time, I'm toward the front. I'm like, okay, boys, I'm sprinting this thing. I just got to go all out. Hope I make it. Hope I survive. And the little gun goes off, and I start running. And I'm, I'm flying. I'm doing great. Get to mile one, feeling good. Get to mile two, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting a little tired, but, but I'm gonna make this, right? I'm gonna make this, and I'm still going all out. And then I get to mile two and a half, and I hit the wall. You know, I mean, I know most of you marathoners, you hit the mile, like, you know, the wall at mile 20. For me, it was two and a half, okay? So I was like, <sighs> you know, and now I'm just like dying. I'm going, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna make this. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to finish this. And, and it pretty soon, you know, here comes people running by me, oh, freshman, you know, <laughs> and they're running by, you know, and here comes all the guys, all these girls coming by, right? Some lady pushing a baby comes by me, you know, <laughs> some lady on a walker. I'm like, okay, I'm trying, you know, and I'm just dying. And I don't know if I'm gonna make this. And I come around the last turn, and I remember there was a street and they had this finish line up there. But I remember making the last turn, and all of these people now are lining both sides of the street, and they're cheering you on. And I don't know whether it was students or neighbors. I'm panting so hard I can't even see their faces. But, but I could hear them just chanting and chanting. And there was something inside me just like got this second wind. I'm like, da 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 right, cheer to fire, right? I mean, I'm like going for it. I mean, it's just like all these people now, there's accountability, right? They're watching you. And I come across a line, you know, and I make it over the line. I fall down. The ambulance shows up and revives me. Now. I'm just kidding. But I made it. I made it. I made it. And, and you know, I've thought about that often in my life. I've thought about how people cheering me on made such an impact and such a difference. Uh, I've been in Boston a few times and just watched the marathon, never run that marathon, but I watch it, you know, or have seen people on TV. And you watch these runners, and they train all their lives, they train all their lives, and they make it across that finish line, right? But they, the streets are lined. They're lined with people just cheering them on, and people they don't even know. And they're just going, come on, you can do it in that last little bit, that last little bit, and they just make it. And you see them in the Olympics, or you see them in all these marathons, or these races, and then they get the medal. And what's cool to me, what's cool to me is many times they get the medal, and, and sometimes they have that medal on, they're so proud of that. Or they, then they take the medal and they put it on their, their wife or their husband, or they put it on their kids, and, and they just are showing, look, it takes more than just you, right? It, it takes more than just you. And, and I completed this, yes, great accomplishment, but boy, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. Guys, there is power in encouragement. And that's what we're gonna see today. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter three. So New Testament, toward the back of your Bible, it's kind of in that T section, right? First and second, Thessalonians, first and second, Timothy, Titus, they put all the T's together in the New Testament. It helps us find it right there. If you need a Bible, there's some in the back. If you wanna grab one, or if you've got a mobile device, you can access the scriptures on version. Also, if you're online, you can join there on the Rolling Hills app and follow along with what God's word has to say. So let me just give you a quick recap. The Apostle Paul was on this missionary trip, so his second missionary journey, and, and he's going on this mission trip, right, and he's wanting to go into Asia. 
And we know in Acts 16 and 17, he's wanting to go to Asia. He's trying to get into Asia. The doors keep closing to Asia. And he has this vision of this guy in Macedonia saying, hey, come over here. So modern day Greece, that kind of area. And so Paul goes, we're going over there. God's calling us to go over there. And so they go to Philippi first, plant a church in Philippi. And the church starts growing, right? We got that letter called Philippians that was written to the church in Philippi. Then he goes to the city, Thessalonica. And Thessalonica was a big city. I mean, we're talking 200,000 people. I mean, big city. Back then, it was, a, it was a wealthy city. It was a land of commerce because, man, it was right on a trade route. And, and so very affluent. And he goes there, and he starts preaching, and people are giving their lives to Christ. And the church is born. And it was filled, if you go into Acts 17, with, with Jews and Greeks. And then it says quite a few prominent women, all these men and women and, and children, I mean, joining, and the church starts to grow. Well, persecution breaks out against the church. Paul was kind of a lightning rod. You may remember that he was a, a Pharisee or a, a religious leader in the Jewish faith, and then he committed his life fully to Christ, Jesus, right? So he was a Messianic Jew, and now there was some persecution that followed Paul wherever he went, and the Jews would rise up and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And, and so Paul kind of slips out of town. He goes on, but he's wondering, how's the church doing? How's the church doing? So look here at chapter three. It says in verse one, when we could stand it no longer. We thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. And we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. And I love what Paul says here. He goes, man, we get to Athens and, and, and we start to think about you, church. And, and we couldn't stand any longer. So I was like, Timothy, you go back and check on the church at Thessalonica. You go back and tell me how it's going there. I, I just want to know. Paul loved this church. He loved this church. There's sometimes when he writes, you know, in some of his other letters that he writes to some other churches, he gives warnings or rebukes like, hey, you're not doing things right. He never does any of that with this church. But he just Loved it. And so he's go, hey, we're going to send Timothy back to you because you're going through some trials. You're going through some struggles. Hey, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come from us come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. So Paul's so excited, right? Timothy goes to Thessalonica. He goes to the church. He's like, the church is growing. They're on fire. They are passionate about following Jesus. And he comes back and he tells Paul. And Paul's like, I am so encouraged. This is great. He tells us about your faith and your love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Paul's like, we were encouraged that we were doing the right thing because we heard about your faith. We heard about what God was doing there among you, church. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. And then look at this verse nine, I love this. He says, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? I don't know, that's a great verse to me. I just maybe you wanna underline that. But, but 
I think the Apostle Paul just had this moment where he was overwhelmed with thankfulness. He was just overwhelmed with gratitude, right? Do you ever have those moments in your life? Do you ever have those moments? Sometimes, sometimes I'll be praying over my kids and it'll just catch me. It's just that moment of like, wow, God, thank you, you know? I don't deserve any of this. God, thank you. Or sometimes you're with your family or sometimes you're with your friends. You just kind of look around. I've been with a lot of friends and you just kind of look at that and you just go, thank you. Or you're in a Bible study or a community group and you just go, wow, how did I deserve this? You know, <laughs> Look at God what you're doing or you're sitting in your house and you just go, thank you. And I think that's what Paul was doing. He was just overwhelmed with this gratitude. God, thank you. We went there. We didn't know what was going to happen. We, we went through some hard times, but the church is growing. People are, lives are being impacted. God, this is awesome. I just want to thank you, God. Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul goes, you guys haven't arrived yet. We know that. You know, church, right? Your, your goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ for all believers, all of us, our goal is to look more and more like Jesus. None of us are there yet, you know, but we're progressing. We're moving forward. So Paul's like, I can't wait to come back to church. I can't wait to be there to encourage you in what's lacking in your faith. And then he goes into the kind of this prayer. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. He's like, I gotta be back at church. I gotta be there. I gotta, God, open the door for me to be there. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. So what does Paul pray for the church? He prays that they would increase in their love. Isn't that interesting, right? Not just, hey, have greater Bible studies or have greater worship, and those things are so important. But he says, I, I want you to increase in your love, your love for God, your, your love for others. What did Jesus say? Remember Jesus said, by this all men will know you're my disciples if... You love one another. You love one another. So here's a great test. Like, am I growing spiritually? Just kind of think about it in your life. Am I loving more? Am I loving my spouse more, my roommates more, the people around me more, my coworkers more, my classmates more? Am I, am I growing in my love? That's a great test. And that's what Paul prays over the church. May you increase in your love. And may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. He's like that you would stay strong in the faith, that you would grow deep in the Lord, that you would have deep roots, that you would be strong and steadfast, that you'd be men and women after the heart of God. That's what he prays over the church. That's what I pray for all of us, right? God, let us increase in our love. Let us be strong. Let us be steadfast. Paul encourages the church. And that's what I pray God will do for us even today. Hey, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to take out a worship guide if you're here at Franklin, if you wanna write some things down. If you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app and there's some places to fill in some blanks there. But this is so important for us today and I'm so glad that you're here. Look at this, number one, the power of encouragement. The power of encouragement. We need that in our lives. Paul knew that. Look at this. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and coworker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and to encourage you and your faith. Why did Paul send Timothy back to Thessalonica? I wanna encourage you, church. Stay the course. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep running. Keep going forward, right? 
Look, Paul sent Timothy to encourage the church in Thessalonica. You know, we all need that in our lives. And there's power when we have that encouragement. There's power when people are cheering us on. There's power when people believe in us. You know, when somebody believes in you, man, it just changes you, doesn't it? You you may feel like everybody else is against you, but if somebody you love believes in you, you're like, yes, I could do it. I could do it. And Paul knew that. He said, hey, church, you just need some encouragement right now. They were going through some struggles. They were facing some challenges. We could see that. The church was growing but was facing challenges. You know, back then, right, I mean, you had this persecution that came from the, from the Jews. You also had persecution that came from, the, like, the, the secular market because now Christians weren't going to the pagan temples to worship the pagan gods. The Christians weren't buying the little idols and putting their homes, and all of a sudden, all the business people are like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now it's impacting our bottom line, you know. <laughs> Hold on, what's this church thing? And, and, and all this persecution started to come. There's gonna be challenges, right? Being a Christ follower, even the church was facing that. It's not always easy to be a Christ follower. Sometimes we think, well, I'm a Christian and everything ought to just be perfect, right? I mean, everything ought to just be perfect in my life. But we live in a broken and fallen world. What we know is that God is with us through all the challenges and all the struggles. But it's not easy. It's not easy to grow in your faith. Right, you, you want to go, man, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, right? I want to be there. I'm so glad you're here today. Good job. But, but you had to overcome the bed monster, right? I mean, the bed, bed monster always strikes on Sunday. You're like, oh, this bed feels so good, right? I can stay right here. I get up early every day of the week. Why not today? I mean, all these thoughts go through your head, and you have to go, no, I'm going to push past that. I'm going to engage, right? In the mornings, man, I want to stay in bed, but I'm going to read God's word, or I want to pray. It's, it's not easy. The distractions come. The enemy knows, man, I'm going to get them off track. You always have these discussions in the car, right, on the way to church, or when you want to talk about your faith, and then all of a sudden these little things drop in. It's not always easy. We live in a society when greed wars against us, and we go, oh, I know I need to be generous, or I need to help out others, but man, culture comes in. Paul knew that what the church was going to face there, so Paul stands by the church, I love that. Paul didn't just plant this church and then take off. Paul was like, no, I'm gonna invest. I'm gonna invest in you. I wanna be there. I wanna be there every Sunday, but if I can't, I'm writing a letter back. I'm standing by you. Aren't you thankful for people in your life who stand by you? Aren't you just thankful for people in your life who encourage you? I was blessed to grow up in a a great church. I had a youth pastor. It was just so encouraging. I, I was blessed to have godly parents I remember my dad, my dad never missed one of my ball games, you know. And I'd look up in the stands, even if I missed a bunch of shots, I'd look up there and he'd still cheer me on, you know. <laughs> Keep shooting, you know. Like, it's just amazing. I remember when my dad went home to be with Jesus and all the people that stood around me right here in this place. He came up and the hugs and I just thought, wow, I needed that. People would bring meals or write notes or cards or send texts or an email. Just so grateful for the people who stand by you. And that's who we're called to be as Christ followers, right? That's what we're supposed to do. You got the power of encouragement, but you also have, look at this, the need of encouragement. The need of encouragement. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I was sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. 
He's like, I was just so worried you got off track. I'm so worried you stopped being in church and being involved and being committed. But, but now, no, you are. See, the church in Thessalonica needed encouragement. They were young. And, and man, when you're young in the faith, you need that encouragement. Right? That's why it's so important bringing our, our preschool children and students and helping them have a spiritual foundation. Sometimes people, will, you know, parents will go, hey, do you have a, a great church that you recommend? My, my son's going off to college or whatever else. And, and I always want to go, yeah, just make sure they're in church when they're in preschool, a child or middle school or high school. Because that's what's going to set the foundation for them to go, when I go off to college or I move off or I get married or I have kids one day, I need to be a part of a community. I need people around me, right? you setting that now. And Paul knew that. He knew that. He said, this church is young, it's growing, it's exciting, but man, that you stay strong. And many times later on, if you've been walking with the Lord for 15, 30, 50 years, right, you know, man, there's just some challenges, but when you're young, you need that. You need that encouragement. Hey, I didn't put this in the notes, but if you wanna write it down, listen, what you celebrate shows what you value. Okay, that, that's a bonus for today, all right, but, but I just wanna tell you that. What you celebrate shows what you value. It shows what you value to the people around you, right? That's why I always just encourage you to celebrate anniversaries. You know, celebrate birthdays. Celebrate those things. But also celebrate spiritual decisions. When, when people are baptized, celebrate. You know, when, when people walk through things and they make good decisions, you celebrate it. When, when your kids are, are excited about the Lord, you celebrate that. Because what you celebrate shows what you value. And we'll celebrate touchdowns, and it's great, it's exciting, and, and, and those things are great. But also, are we celebrating the things of God? Are we showing the people around us, this is what we value? And that's what Paul was doing with the church. Many times, Christians and some churches only focus on what we're doing wrong. I remember my grandparents telling me about, you know, they would go to church, and they would always be in trouble, right? Because back then, you couldn't go to movies, you know, you couldn't, right, you couldn't play cards, I was always like as a kid going, where's that in the Bible? I didn't know that, right? Because I really like movies, you know? It's like, I didn't know that, right? But, but sometimes that, that you, this list of rules, it's always about what you haven't done and you, you walk away and you feel guilty, you feel like sad. It, and you go, wait a minute. Our God is not a God of condemnation. Our God is a God of love and a God of grace and a, a God who says, okay, yeah, you missed doing Bible study yesterday. It's okay, you know? Come on, you can do it next week. You can, you know, get back into it. Start again. Move forward. That's important for us. It's not always what we're doing wrong. But here's the deal. Never discipline out of anger, but always out of love. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, that, that's worth gold right there for you. Just write that down. Make a note. Okay, but, but for all of us. But that's what the apostle Paul did. There were times when he would have to say to the church, hey, I've got to bring some correction. Because we do. There's times when you go like, hey, you're off track. You need to get back on track. But you never do it out of anger. You always do it out of love. Always do it out of love. And that's what Paul was doing here, even with the church. Hey, we need to be people who encourage others. We need to be people who encourage others. I'll just tell you this, right? If you're married, your spouse needs encouragement. They need to know that you're their biggest fan. And maybe the rest of the world doesn't believe they can do it. You believe they can. You believe it. They need that encouragement. Guys, we get beaten down by social media. We get beaten down by comparison trap and everything else out there. And we need to be people who are breathing life into others. Your kids need to know that you believe in them. Your grandkids need to know that. 
You know what? Your, your kids' teachers need to know that. Your kid, teachers today, you guys are amazing. We just need to encourage you. Your, your kids' teachers at, at church, thank them. I mean, it's amazing. Your coworkers, your roommates, your classmates, who can you encourage? Because people need encouragement today. And that's what God has called us to do, and that's who God's called us to be, to speak hope, to speak life into others. Okay, look at this. God wants us to live encouraged. God wants us to live encouraged. Therefore, brothers and sisters, right, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged, encouraged about you because of your faith. The New Testament is about encouragement. It really is. You know, a lot of times you look at the Old Testament, you're like, wow, there's a lot of justice in there. And there is. There's the character of God and the justice and the redemptive story. It's God preparing. And the New Testament is about encouragement. It's about God sending his son, leaving the throne room of heaven, and coming to us. Now think about that. God comes to stand by us. It's like Paul's trying to stand by the church. It's like God's called us to stand by people. God of the universe comes to stand by you. God wants you to reach your full potential. God created you. God loves you with an everlasting love. And when you start to think about that, man, it changes the way you live. It changes the way you live. Because sometimes bitterness can well up inside of us. Sometimes anger can be inside of us, right? And yet when we look at God, all of a sudden it changes us. It changes us. Encouragement is meant to give us courage. I mean, that's in the word, right? In, encourage, right? He wants to breathe courage into us. He wants us to live bold. He wants us to live forgiven. He wants us to live with hope. He wants us to live with joy and with peace and with courage. That's what God wants for us. And when you live encouraged, you also impact others. When you live with that kind of faith. You know, I think about Moses. Moses just lived it, man, back in his day. He lived it. And there were times he was scared, he was worried, but he's like, God's got a plan for me to lead his people. And God's got a plan for you, every one of us. And whether you're leading at home or you're leading in a marriage or you're leading at work or you're leading at school, you have a calling on your life. Well, after Moses dies, now it's Joshua, right? And Joshua's scared to death. Like, how am I gonna do this? And what does God come to him and say? Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged, do not be terrified, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua, stop looking around at everything else. You look at me. I am with you. I am for you. And for us just to think about the God of the universe with us. See, encouragement, encouragement comes when we celebrate God's goodness. That I've been redeemed, I've been restored. It is the goodness of God in my life. I can live with this courage. May he strengthen your hearts. Oh, I pray that he'll do that today. May he strengthen your hearts that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father. Look, at he's your Father, Holy Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Hey, Paul encourages people to think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. 
You know, we get so busy in life. We think about a lot of other things, and life gets crazy, and we've got work, and we've got school, and we've got all the things of family, we've got all these demands on our time, and, and many times our, our mind runs after all the things of the world, or we put our eyes on the problems, but man, when we put our eyes on Jesus, woo, sometimes you just get overwhelmed, and you're like, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, I don't even deserve it, but I just want to thank you, thank you, Lord. See, the antidote to being discouraged is gratitude. If you get to a point in your life, and we all do, we all get to points in our lives where, man, it's just tough. You discourage or doubt or fear or worry starts to, what you begin to do is back away for a minute and just sit down. Either get God's word or get on your knees and just go, let me be thankful for a moment. God, thank you. And start listing off those things that you're thankful for in your life. Start listing off all the things that God's done. And it changes you. It changes you. You start to go, man, God, you've been so faithful in every area of my life. Why am I so uptight about this? You've got it. God, you've got it. When those times come, right, when you feel discouraged, no courage, man, be thankful, that gratitude. See, dwell on God's goodness in your life. Dwell on God's goodness in your life. Uh, you guys know, do you know heaven is gonna be a party? I mean, heaven's gonna be awesome, okay? Let me just tell you, right? When you start reading these scripture, I love what Jesus says in Luke 15, verse seven. You can read it, Jesus says, hey, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who was lost, who repents, and over 99 who weren't need to be saved because they're already saved, right? One sinner repents, and there is rejoicing in heaven. I love that. I can't wait. I mean, heaven's gonna be incredible, I mean, there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. Everybody's in right relationship with God, with one another. It's going to be awesome. And God's like, I want you to have heaven on earth. I want you to rejoice. I want you to dwell on the goodness that I have in your life. Your eternity is secure. The best is still to come. But you dwell on me and hold on to me. Oh, it's so good. Hey, Church, I want to stand by you. You are doing a great work. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Individually, be encouraged, please, today. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what challenges you're facing, but I know God's with you. Hey, in your marriage, be encouraged today. Right? Die to self and, and put them before you and just love them. In your parenting, be encouraged today. You are doing a great work. You're raising the next generation. You know what? With your roommate, be encouraged. With your job, be encouraged right now. God may have something later on different, but right now, where you are, you are there for a reason and for a purpose in the school you're in. Be encouraged. And as a church, I just want you to be encouraged. I'm so proud. I'm so thankful for you. You know, three years ago, we began For the Kingdom. And guys, we, we launched this campaign. We asked everybody at church at that time, right? We just said, hey, would you pray? Would you start praying every day? We gave out these rings, these groove rings, right, with the, the crown on top. And, and we said, would you pray every day for what God will do? And then would you give over and above your tithe, right? We all give our first 10% back to God, right? In the scriptures, we do that. But over and above, there's times, there's tithes and there's offerings. And let's see what God will do. And we had these five objectives three years ago. One, we said we want to invest in the next generation, we want to invest in preschool, children, middle school, high school students. We know the challenges that they face. And we want to grow spiritual leaders. We want to grow spiritual giants. And then we said we need a new home for our Nolensville campus. We were meeting in Nolensville Elementary School. We need a new home. We need a new place. Oh, we need a new home for our Nashville campus. 
We were meeting downtown. We had to be out. We had to leave. We, we needed a new place. We also said, hey, we want adult discipleship space. We, we want to grow godly men and women, young single adults, young married adults. We want to we be spiritually on fire for the Lord because we know that we have an impact, and your obedience impacts others in Christ. And then we also said we want to have two more homes, transitional living homes in Moldova for orphans and vulnerable kids. God, what, what could you do? And church, I just want to tell you, three years ago when we came together and we made pledges and we gave and we started to pray, it was like putting a little in the hands of Jesus and watching him multiply it and do miracles. I mean, what we've seen has been incredible and I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. We want to invest in the next generation and you guys to see What's happening now, we were able to remodel a kid's area, but we were able to add 30,000 square feet of middle school and high school space. And there's times I'll walk over there and it is filled with middle schoolers or high schoolers and they're worshiping or they're packing bags for the homeless or, and they're serving. And I'll just start to tear up and cry. I'll just stand in the back and I feel like Paul just kind of just watching this happen and just like tears, you're like, God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing and you're raising up these next leaders in you. We were praying about Nolensville and where we were gonna go. We didn't have anywhere to go. And I don't know if you guys know this, but land in Nolensville is kind of expensive. I mean, it's like crazy. And, and God said, watch this. And he, he provided us, literally he provided us 10 acres on Nolensville Road in a building. I mean, that's the Lord. We couldn't do that. We couldn't script it. In Nashville, God says, here, watch this. I'll just give you three city blocks and a building right there. How about that? Is that good? Yeah, that's great, God. That's perfect, right? The Sylvan Park, the nations. Yeah, that's perfect for a campus. Uh, only God. And we said, God, we want adult discipleship space. And now to see 60 plus Bible studies just growing, women's studies that are happening. On Tuesday nights, there's grief share. There's divorce care. People standing by one another and blessing each other through hard times in life. We back then said, hey, we need to put some resources into online to make that a great experience. And we started to do that. Guys, we had no idea there was gonna be a global pandemic. And for three months, we wouldn't even be able to gather in buildings and everything would be online. But God did. And God said, I'm gonna continue to grow fully mature disciples or be in the word. You just invest when I tell you to invest. Watch this. Hey guys, we, through Justice and Mercy International, have the money now to build two more homes, transitional living homes in Moldova, the poorest, smallest country in the former Soviet Union. A place where many girls end up trafficked into prostitution, a place where many boys end up committing suicide because they have to leave the orphanage at 15 and they're out on the street. And you as a church have said, no, we're gonna invest there. And, and now we have over 800 kids, orphaned children, they're being helped and have hope because of your faithfulness and they get food, and they get clothes, they get Bibles, they have Bible studies over there now. That's only the Lord. It's only the Lord. Today's Orphan Sunday, and I'm just thinking, thank you, God, for calling us as a church to say it's not just for us to be comfortable, but to invest in others, to give. Church, thank you. And whether you've been here for 15 years or three years, or you've been here for three weeks or one week, you're a part of God's story. You're a part of God's story. And just like the church in Thessalonica was being faithful to God back then 2,000 years ago, guys, this is our time. This is our time to be faithful to God. This is our time to say, I want to increase in my love. I want to be generous. I want to bless others. I want to encourage others. 
Our world needs encouragement more today than ever before. There's so much negativity that's out there all the time. People are inundated in us as the body of Christ to come and say, we come in love, we come in hope. We wanna point you to a God who will come and stand by you and stand with you. Guys, I wanna tell you about Charlotte. Three years ago, Charlotte, who's worked at her job for over 40 years, was gonna retire this month, three years ago. And then she heard about For the Kingdom and she said, you know what, I'm gonna work three more years because I wanna give and I wanna invest and I wanna make a difference. I wanna tell you about a little girl who was nine years old at the time who, who took a pledge card and said, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm gonna give $300. <laughs> and today I watched as she gave her money after babysitting and everything else three years later and that little girl who was in elementary was at that middle school retreat this past weekend sleeping on the floor in a space that she helped build. <laughs> surrounded by friends that she didn't even know three years ago. Guys, when you are faithful to God, your obedience impacts more than just you. When you're praying, when you're living, when you're growing your love, when you're growing your faithfulness, you're making an impact for the glory of God. Our theme verse here at Rolling Hills says this, it's in Ephesians chapter three. Now to him, now to him who is able, and maybe all you need to hear today is this, is that God is able. God is able. God is able to do great things in your life. God is able to bring hope. God is able to heal. God is able to restore. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God's power at work within you. To him be glory in his church and throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. Guys, let's live our lives fully for the glory of God. Let's keep running that race marked out before us. Right, let's run into the arms of Jesus. I wish I had a medal to put on every one of you today, right? Because you're doing it, you're living it. I believe one day we'll be in heaven and there'll be people who will come up to you and go, thank you. You don't even know who I am, but, but you prayed or you gave or you went to serve. You did something and it impacted me. And I think about over the last three years, the hundreds of people who've committed their lives to Christ, the people who've been baptized, the marriages have been healed and restored and redeemed. In church, God is using you. Oh, may he find us faithful. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. Maybe today you just need some encouragement. <laughs> Maybe life's been hard. But I want to tell you, there is a God who is standing by you. There is a God who is with you wherever you go. Maybe today God's just saying, hey, it's time to grow in your love. <laughs> your love for me, your love for your family, your love for your church. It's time to grow. Maybe today is the day you just want to be thankful. <laughs> God, thank you. Oh, you're so good. God, I look at what all you've done, Father, in these past three years. I just say thank you. And God, all this in the middle of a pandemic. And yet, God, you have saved us. You've protected us. And you've blessed us all. And God, as a church today, we just come with grateful hearts to give you all the praise and all the glory. And to know, God, that you have just simply laid a foundation to do even greater work.
for your name. God, you've brought us here from all over, from California, New York, Chicago, even right here in Middle Tennessee, and you're joining our hearts and our lives together, Father, and you have great plans for us. And so, Father, find us faithful. Father, find us faithful, running full steam, giving our best, giving our all, cheering one another on, God, for your name and your glory. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. After the service today, I'll be here. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. Whatever's going on in your life. And if you're facing a battle, facing a struggle, you're not alone. God is with you. And there's a church that wants to stand with you as well. This time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest in God's kingdom and for God's glory. If you're a first-time guest, all we ask is you would give us that communication card. And we could follow up with you and tell you ways to get involved. If you got a prayer request, you could write that on the card. If you're online, let us know on the website or in the chat room, and we will pray with you and we'll pray for you. Church, I'm so thankful for you. So thankful for what God's doing in your life and in our lives together. And to him be all glory. So Father, take what is given today. Bless it, multiply it, God. Everything we have comes from you anyway. And God, allow us to invest in the things that matter in life. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we celebrate your goodness. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.